Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Adult Puzzle Podcast. Your wonderful and amazing co-host here, LMJ. And always joined with the amazing, beautiful, awesome, Laleti. Hi. Hi. What's going on? How are you? You sound stressed. I'm going to pin that on work. (laughs) (laughs) work. I'm working (laughs) and I'm trying not to get caught right now. (laughs) So yeah yeah let's put it I, work. I don't think you're you you have as much in in nigeria we'll call it mind as i do did i tell you of how sometimes if i want to quickly do something else i'll turn my notification on teams to busy to show busy whereas i'm not doing anything and to mm-hmm. every other person it'll be showing busy i shouldn't be saying this so like, yeah 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 i definitely know what you mean because Again, I shouldn't be saying this, but I definitely do that sometimes. I actually have this trick. It's not for my current employer, okay, if anyone's listening to this, but I have a trick where if you're like, if you're in teams, yeah, and Mm -hmm. you want people to think you're busy, Mm -hmm. you can call yourself. And so that way it says you're in a call. But the thing is, if you don't stay active on your computer, it's going to say it's going to say like uh, away. What you have to do is put YouTube on or like some video that keeps your computer active and make sure that video and teams are on the same screen. Shit. I've literally gone for (laughs) appointments. I've literally gone for appointments where it says I'm going to call lies. I'm literally my doctor's appointment or like oh, doing Lord something. Have mercy. Yeah. You have the crowd. I thought I was bad. Oh. Nah, nah. Again, guys, don't do this. It's not be that sensual. Please. We're not teaching you people how to do all these things. Or we're just telling you what we've lived. And this can only work for like work from home because if you're in the office, you can't really just. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Welcome, guys. Welcome to another episode. Um, we're happy to record this actually because it's a bit sentimental for Lola Day, especially. Um, yeah, we have a guest today, <laughs> and she's been here before. You've heard her voice before. Our unofficial <laughs> co host, third member, that is Rumi, you know, and she's just an overall amazing person. Kez is here. Say hi, Kaz. Hi, that was such a nice introduction. That's so sweet. I'm happy yeah. to be here again. Kaz is so used to this. Like, she's a podcaster pro now. You know when you impose a title and responsibilities on someone without them even having to approve? Mm-hmm. It was just a situation of, oh, Kaz, come and hear this intro sound. Oh, Kaz, come and hear this outro sound. Oh, Kaz, do you like this? She was just thrown into it, and she's like, okay, I guess. Like, <laughs> let's go, let's go. Um, Kes, welcome. Definitely happy to have you back. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys had any hints to where the conversation will be tilted to today, but we're definitely talking about immigration. And we have Kes here as well. I think the three of us actually are immigrants to certain Degree. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, thinking about so. that yesterday. We all are, and we all have like differences in how our immigration story started, and I kind of exactly. want us to talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How would you describe an immigrant? How would mm-hmm. you? 
I think basics is just like leaving whatever you come home you call home like your home country mm. and deciding to like move to another country to reside there for either short term long term permanent whatever that may look like but ultimately I think that's what immigration is it may look like it may look different for everyone some people like leave for uh like security reasons some people leave just for like education jobs whatever reason health but ultimately it's leaving your home country to go somewhere else that's not necessarily part of well that's not home to you and then making that new place home um yeah i agree with what lola said i think basically a place where you where you weren't born in right like Mm -hmm. your home country and then you move somewhere and you're a an immigrant there yeah what's like and i kind of want to know everyone's story because i kind of said this it's all different for everyone but first what's your immigration story because we've all said we're immigrants here and then what has life as an immigrant looked like for you um so mine has not been that long yet but i came to the united states because of school Mm -hmm. um I came here last year. I'm almost, oh, I'm almost eight months, if not eight months already. Wow, time flies. So working towards a year in the United States, uh, it was filled by academics, like I said earlier. Um, prior to moving here, did I plan actively or like, think that I would end up here at one point. Yeah, because it was just the thought, well thought out plan actually, that, you know, it would be nice to have like um, postgraduate studies abroad and just like get the technical skill. So it's always been flawed from the academic standpoint, not necessarily like the moving forever standpoint. So um yeah and since i got here i would say like okay prior to moving anyway uh what my, what were my expectations like my expectations would have been well so the culture shock might not have been there for me because again i have family here so also i'm a very quote-unquote exposed kind of person so i've lived life through music i've lived life here through music film you know stuff like that so a lot of things did not shock me i was already aware of the environment i was going into prior plus i came here for holidays as well so you know when i came besides the weather that just even though i know it's coming it still always throws me off Mm -hmm. i mean overall i would say my immigration story or journey has been peaceful straightforward legit and uh <laughs> nowadays tries to denounce himself as a legal immigrant <laughs> what was the process like though so you came here as a student for yes. graduate program yeah um how did you go about that from nigeria like walk us through that because i actually don't even know what that looks like as a student okay. from nigeria okay so um a friend of mine actually asked me that this morning so i think the first step is if you want to tour the academic lines like i did 
the first step I had to figure out was which state, you know, do you want to like um, study in or mm-hmm. then what, sorry, which state do you want to live in? Are you comfortable living in? Then what school do you pursue? I, I say that, I say it in that order because most people would be like, which school do you want to go to first and where can you live there? Sometimes, you know, I think the living supersedes the studying part because the living will support you throughout the program as well as, you know, commuting and stuff like that. So, yeah, I figured out the state I wanted to live in first, mm-hmm. then the, the school I wanted to go to. So I applied for the program that I wanted to um, study. And then there's a whole wait period to when you get a response from the university mm-hmm. to, so when you get that, hopefully, you know, unconditional offer response, you know, you can then. <laughs> you, there, what's wrong with you? What's the unconditional offer? <laughs> okay, so like, there, there are two different kind of offers. Mm-hmm. There's a conditional offer and there's an unconditional offer. Oh, really? That's actually a thing? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, are you serious? I didn't oh, know that. You think, oh. <laughs> I think you're making this shit up. No, 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 no. Wait, oh, is this from God. the school? Yeah, from the school. Uh-huh. Okay. They're, condi- they're conditional offers and they're unconditional offers. Oh, okay. So you said you thought I was joking. Okay, okay. I you initially made that. <laughs> no, I didn't know this about... I didn't know about this either. Yeah, yeah what so is it, please? If you, yeah, so if you like really read through some of the offer letters that you get, you you'd see the unconditional offer, conditional offer. So unconditional offers are like you fulfilled all the criteria. You know, um, you check out on every single box for them, and yeah, you can come and you're you're in, you're in. Conditional offers like there's one comma there, but like pending the time that you fulfill that or they have the belief that you'll be able to fulfill those requirements you're you're part of the institution already so a conditional offer could be let's say you don't have let's say a document or something but they see that you fulfill just enough to be given the admission letter they'll let you know that you still have to fulfill that um requirement maybe in the next within the next three months or two weeks into your entry or before class starts or stuff like it, it could be anything really so um there is actually yeah. something there's actually something like a conditional <laughs> offer um so <laughs> so after that uh is you would think that getting into the school is like the hardest and you know the scariest part but from where i come from in West Africa and Nigeria, to be precise, you're just starting. Like, you've just done the easy part. The visa, getting the visa is the, the hard, hard part. part. Mm-hmm. So because of where I come from, my my country's reputation is not the best. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the rest of the oh, world. Nigeria would help Even you. for school, it's mm-hmm. hard to get a visa. Oh, like a student yeah. visa. It's Because you so don't different. know the half of it. You don't I know really... the half of it. Yo, I'm telling you now. So like, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, getting applying for the visa, right? You 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 fill online or whatever. In my country, there are some people that claim to be agents that they would say that they can help you do. They can do it for you. And 
I just feel that's a waste of time and money. You pay them heavy amounts of money and you can even still get denied. So I prefer to tell people like fill those forms yourself, go online, you know, stuff like that. So after you fill your forms, the first part of the huddle will be securing the date for your visa. In my country, plus even naturally because of the volume of people that are always trying to apply, it's usually a whole long process trying to secure a date. Now with COVID in play, securing the date would be like on a, if you want to travel, you know, next year, start applying this year, that kind of thing to get a date. Hopefully you can secure a date by the end of the year and you can travel next year, that kind of thing. So yeah, most people get denied, to be honest with you, even with offers from, you know, the university and everything and, and it's over finances. like ridiculous things right it's like yeah. oh you don't it doesn't seem like you'll come back or mm-hmm. crazy things and, like that. And that that is that is the main um that is the main um issue so naturally yeah with my own people we're not the most let me even use my own people but like humans are not the most truthful people to be honest mm-hmm. with you right so <laughs> it, it's just it's just the truth so of course, they've zeroed their minds as gatekeepers, right? Because they're literally gatekeepers that everybody wants to live, you know, everybody wants to run away. So yeah. that's their mindset. And, you know, so your own job would be to make them feel as comfortable believing you that that is not why you're going, even though deep down, that is why everybody is going. I don't know if you guys are catching my drift. So like, it's like, they know like, when you get it, so you hear questions like, okay, they want to see a proof of you coming back. So people that have a job here, a high level job here, and are going for a program, are more technically, are more likely to get a visa than someone who just came out of school and is applied and got into a reputable university, even if it's Harvard, and you got it on a full scholarship, they might not give you. That's how crazy it is. They might they might deny you a visa. So getting a visa is a whole thing. And yeah, that's the main struggle, you know, and that's where a lot of people fall flat. So I after you get your visa, you celebrate with family, you're happy, and then, you know, <laughs> you get a ticket, yeah you land in you land in the states and you're happy and <laughs> hopefully they don't send you back at the immigration stand again <laughs> you know hopefully they believe you enough while you're here you know and stuff like oh, that yeah, oh yeah because they do question you oh the... yeah oh and by the way oh that's true thank you for asking this question Lady. my immigration story is super funny do you know that apparently if you're coming in for an acad- academic program, there's a specific date. So you can't get into the country, I think maybe a week before, or no, is it a week or 30 it's, days? It's a month. So like that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. that's what happened to my sister. She, um, she we knew she, she can only come a month before her uh, mm-hmm. school starts, mm-hmm. but uh, because in Indonesia is so uh, is like almost twenty four hours ahead, we forgot the like time difference. So she got here a day before the thirty days. Mm-hmm. But thankfully she got in. But yeah, that the rule is thirty days before. So I didn't even know that. 
right, Kez? And so I got in like, I did, what was it? Maybe two weeks before the 30 day period and stuff. <laughs> and I get there and like, dude's looking at me after everything <laughs> checks out. And then he goes, oh shit. Like you're like two weeks earlier and stuff. I'm like, oh, there's a thing like that. And he was like, yeah, dude. And <laughs> he was just like, yeah, just hold on a, a second. And I think they checked my history and stuff. They saw that I have family and I've been here before and it wasn't a big deal. And he was like, yeah, you can go in. But like, he started laughing. He was like, dude, you're like super early. I'm like, well, I didn't know and stuff. So definitely don't recommend that because I'm not sure they would let people in. Yeah. Like that. But yeah, I was lucky and God's grace, you know. So that that was my story, you know. <laughs> so you, you came in for a graduate program under student visa, right? Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. That's okay. it. Okay. Kez, how about you? I know yours is similar oh but gosh. different because you've gone through student and then work. So walk us yes. through it. Okay. I can say. Like Lamede, I came here. Um, for college, but it's for my undergrad. So I moved to the U.S. right after high school, which was 2014. So I've mm-hmm. lived here for about for almost eight years now. Um, yeah, the whole process of like getting a visa and all of that was the same. But I feel like it's the process was so much easier. I think they just want to make sure that you're not going to stay here forever. You're going to come back to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. And then, um, so college, after college, I worked. And the the same visa is, the same student visa is used for working. Um, it's called OPT, Optional mm-hmm. Practical Training. And it depends on the major that um, you're ta- that you took back in college, but mm-hmm. you either get a year of work permit or three years of work permit but that's still under like I said like still on the, under the same visa but you just have to have a work permit where you can apply I think three months before you graduate mm-hmm. so yeah it's different like being a student and working yeah here. <laughs> yeah so for you guys you came in undergrad yeah you um did undergrad and then towards the end of your undergrad you were able to like apply for this extension or to your student visa that was also a work visa which is like the OPT thing right yeah so I applied um so because I was under the STEM major I could get three years and so um like on my last few months of before graduating I applied for the work permit I got a full year and then and I had to wait I think like about three months before I got the work permit. And then once I get the work permit, there's a start date that I had to pick um, for when I can start working. Mm -hmm. And then like your last three months, I think you can apply for me. I can apply an extension for another two years. That's why it's a total of three years. Oh, okay. Actually, let's talk about that. Cause I've always, I thought that was wild. First of all, I think it's a bit unfair that depending on the type of major that you have is going to, determine how long you get to stay in the states to work because basically if i understand this correctly if you're a stem major so science engineering technology and math you get to stay three years and if you're everything else so like the arts the um social sciences then it's one year i think that's so unfair same i don't know why it's like that like 
Because it makes it seem like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like me. if you have a STEM major, then so you're more you valuable. Guys, it okay. It's like that on paper, but you would look at it from like the you would look at it from like the government perspective. So everyone is selfish, right? So for them, I think the, the most you know the kind of things they care about from the government perspective, things like space tech, things like solar energy, things like, you know, you know, just things like that, you know, space, defense systems, all that. Who are the, uh, who are the set of people that would fulfill those kind of desires? People in that STEM major category, right? So for them, it's like, gathering talent or talent gathering right that's how it is so not not to say that uh people in the arts or like you know commerce can't you know contribute or like be of use to them but it's just like prioritizing what they need or being selfish with their desires so from the government perspective that's how they're looking at like what's the talent that we are looking to recruit. It's just almost like a soccer team, like a football, um, a football club trying to recruit players, right? So I think that's why it's set up in that way, right? So I think it's bullshit. The reason why I, I think, think it's bullshit yeah. is because mm-hmm. if you're going to have an international student come here and mm-hmm. pay the same fees, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. It's not like if you go to Harvard for arts, you're going to pay less than if you go to Harvard for engineering. It's the same school fees, right? So mm-hmm. why aren't we given the same opportunities, especially if it's already capped? Like if the STEM person is giving three years and the art person is giving, it's not like the STEM person is given a guarantee to stay in the country. Like, yeah, I, I think it's bullshit, especially because it's the same process up until that point and it's very very different as to a stem major has three years versus one year is is a lot it's it's a lot of of differences and a lot of times what i've seen happen is because Mm -hmm. of how short that one year is for the non-stem major they don't end up experiencing like they don't end up working because it's not enough time to get a job and i think you said the, Mm -hmm. the full meaning of opt it's uh optional practical training optional practical training and so my understanding is why it's set in place is to give students the ability to practice what they've learned right Mm -hmm. put that into practice before you go back to your home country so in my head i get what you're saying like i'm I'm trying to like envision it from like a government perspective but okay why didn't you if if you're going to make things unfair for non-stem majors then already they should have been a more competitive advantage for why you're a STEM major in college either as a STEM major you're paying more or mm-hmm. I don't know I under yeah I, I think it's bullshit <laughs> and I think even if they're looking for like specific STEM talent there's still like barriers to like since you're an you're not a citizen um, you still can't apply to these specific talents that they're looking for exactly. they're specifically looking for like citizens or like like permanent residents and exactly. also I think um I, I don't understand, like, some some of my friends, they both have, like, a Bachelor of Science, but, like, a Bachelor of Science in Economics, let's say, can fall under a STEM major, and Bachelor of Science in Psychology can fall under a STEM major, STEM but major. Yeah. Bachelor of Science in Agribusiness doesn't, so, like, how do they That's why I like, think it's, it's, on this? it's actual bullshit, because I think it's just 
I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Like it really does it. <laughs> I see what you guys are saying, but okay. So I, the first thing I said was from the government perspective. And again, like I like to do on the show, I'm just playing devil's advocate. How about from the demand perspective, right? So the demand for the roles or the jobs or training that the students are supposed to get, what if it's not proportional to how many, how many jobs available are there for those amount of graduates at a certain point in time? Do you so, understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I get what you're saying, Lamide. Sorry to cut <clears> you short, but the reason why it doesn't make sense to me is even for a STEM major, right? Mm -hmm. There's still criteria there. It's not like yeah, as a STEM major, yeah. exactly. It's not like as a STEM major, you automatically get three years. No, you yeah. have to get a job and mm -hmm. then you stay in that job for a year. And then mm -hmm. if you're still at that job for a year, you apply for additional two years, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, there are checks and balances in place that if you already don't follow them, if you don't get a job, you leave, right? Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, it only makes sense to give other people that are not STEM majors the same option, right? Even if there's no demand, right? Like mm -hmm. at least they're given the option. So even even happens like for the, STEM. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, it's choice. Like, okay, the choice. It's like you don't have a job in, I don't know, journalism. Okay. You try to look, at least you had the option. But yeah. a lot of them, what happens is they're not given the option and they're automatically like forced out of the country. And I just don't think it's it's fair. That that's kind of like the bottom line. I understand the whole like, yeah, there's more demand for STEM, there's more demand for science. Cool, but at least give if you're going to school and the whole idea is like go get an education, you pay for your education, you go to the same school, you come out with this great education, at least be given the opportunity to, to get practice. If, you, if you're not able to, then that's fine. At least the country gave you the opportunity to. It just doesn't make sense how it's, it's very divided in the States. And I know it's very different in other countries, but in the States, it's like if you're a STEM major, you have so much more advantage over someone who's not. And that for me has not like resonated as to like, why? Yeah. And then what makes it hard to like, if you, if you, if you're only given a year and you have three months of unemployment, by the time the start date, like the date starts, the date that you put on your work permit, yeah. um, employers, you obviously have less than a year to work. To work. You, yeah. To work. So that like employers wouldn't want, that's what always employees. happens it's like yeah. they don't even look at them because it's like oh we barely have six months to hire you that's exactly. why for me it's like it makes when i tell you guys it makes no sense how the government doesn't see how it's a very clear disadvantage like you know when there's some things that you look at and you're just like this is apparent that it's unfair this mm. is one of them it's like how doesn't yeah. the government see it you know whoever said so yeah that Okay. Okay. I, I learned a lot from what you said and what, what, what is life or what has life as an immigrant been like mm -hmm. for you? I think it's definitely interesting. I think for me, one of the, I moved when I was 17. So I learned a lot just by living away from home and going, coming out of my comfort zone. Mm. I had to make like new friends. I had to be more independent, like cook my own stuff, um, be able to manage like the budget that I was given by my parents. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of learning opportunities as an individual. And since I've lived in, I think four states, four different states now, it de depends on the state that you're 
into or like the place where you're in. I feel like some places are friendlier and more right which is why others. i said think of the place you want to live in first before you even look at the school when i was talking because these are like minor things that people do not really pay attention to but yeah go ahead yeah i yeah i agree so like um obviously like a, pl- a place like california or like seattle where there are a lot of asians and like more diversity i feel Mm. like they're more definitely more welcoming and like just you feel like you belong more in other Mm. places compared to other places Mm -hmm. what states have you lived in so i lived when i first moved here i went to a community college and i lived in washington Mm -hmm. for two years and then i transferred to michigan and then i lived there for two and a half years before i graduated till I graduated and then I got a job in Maryland. I stayed there for almost two years and then I moved to San Diego um, for working in the same company but just like a different position so I had to move to San Diego. Yeah you definitely had like a fair share of different parts of the country. I don't think I've even experienced that. Which one has been your favorite just like from the immigrants perspective? Thankfully the places that I lived in there were welcoming and they're like pretty big um cities that I was that I lived in so Mm -hmm. there were there was a lot of diversity I think out of the four um Michigan was the least diverse for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god yeah Michigan like definitely the place that i was in, in it was a college town so obviously there were a lot of international students but yeah i said of that area <laughs> yeah can we actually talk about something because before i even go into my like immigration experience because mine is slightly different from you guys but both of you guys came in as international students i wasn't an international student but I feel like there are specific things that stand out to internationals that are just like mind boggling. Which angle do you want me to take it from? I don't do even you... know. I think let's start from like the fees because that one is is intense. Then we can go into like <laughs> we can go into how you know you can't work if you don't have a certain so class. Just. I don't know right. the constraints i would say right and yeah. there are a lot of them but like you said let's just yeah. start with the, the most i think mind-blowing of them all definitely is the fees yeah and mm-hmm. i mean i think my first knowledge of it was maybe just like googling right so i'm on google mm-hmm. on my computer and um i see you know the price for wanted to study a program and let's just say hypothetical for a course we're talking about $30,000 for the program and I now begin to I now see there's another column that says domestic (laughs) (laughs) another column that says domestic and I'm seeing Maybe six thousand dollars. I'm like back up. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know. And you're beginning to think that oh, maybe you're getting a more advanced program, or like mm. no way, you're getting the same, same shit. Same thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 
they could probably even not show up to class and yeah. like they could do their entire thing online and you just i mean it's it's ridiculous it's mind-boggling it, it's i don't know i just feel it's a money-making scheme and you would want one would think one would think that if we're paying that amount of money now back to your point i've jumped over exactly the now. i'm not i'm not playing devil advocate <laughs> anymore back to your point if someone has contributed 30 35 40 000 dollars in a year to your economy i mean it's only right you give the person a chance to recoup that right? money back before, or learn. or learn before the person goes back to their country yes. you know what i'm saying so <laughs> It, it, it definitely is it definitely is a challenge yeah. so that that alone is a reason why a lot of people can't you know come here or mm-hmm. you know travel for education or for better education it's it's really is it really is a privilege to uh you know study as an international student especially here in the states because I mean, the fees are just ridiculous, which is why a whole lot of uh, Nigerians, because we're a shop like that, have embraced, <laughs> you know, have embraced academic excellence, right? So most of them will be looking for like uh, scholarships or assistantships to like uh, bridge and like, you know, yeah, bridge that gap or, you know, soften the dampen the effect of financial fees and all that but still yeah. i just think you know thirty thousand forty thousand it's a whole lot of money yeah and there's no difference in like the quality of the program what is the justification for the price you understand what i'm saying like i yeah. wonder how that was even a thing and how it was approved but again to play devil's advocate i'm sure it must have been someone on the immigration community community you know funny thing Lavendee? i feel what? like for the international fees mm-hmm. reasoning wise right i mm-hmm. can see why international oh please play devil's advocate this time please no, let me know let, let, let me <laughs> actually ex- know, yeah. let me explain why because if you are a resident of, of a country or let, mm-hmm. let's use america right you pay taxes for years to come, right? Mm-hmm. And your taxes going to several different things, infrastructures, the roads, the right. schools, the this, the this, the this, the that, right? So thinking about I don't I don't think the difference is valid. Like so for example, UCSD the square went to as a California resident and like, you know, all of that, you pay about 30. For an international student, you pay 60. That's 2x, you know? I don't think that multiple is justified, but it makes sense to me more than the OPT thing, discrimination. In my head, it's discrimination between (laughs) STEM and non-STEM because as a resident, right, you've been adding to that country's economy for years to come before you decided to go to college. So it's kind of like, okay, you've been putting in taxes, um, you've been contributing to this environment for a while because even there's other mm-hmm. states fees too that mm-hmm. yeah. other states are is not as much as international but that still makes more sense to me why there's a, a varying in the prices that people that reside in, in America either you're a citizen or you're a permanent resident versus international people that just get here it makes mm-hmm. more sense to me than the OPT thing however I think the rates like how different the rates are mm-hmm. 
that's look <laughs> it, it it makes my chest pound. Like it's it's a lot. It's it's it's, it's so. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I definitely see what you're saying with that. Maybe you, what you said definitely makes a whole lot of sense because we right. You you've you've contributed in one way or the other to mm-hmm. like um, economic improvement by taxes or whatever to uh, to the uh, stabilization or the erection of those structures, right? So. It's only right if you're paying like a you know subsidized Subsidized fee or amount, right? So that that is wise and smart and you know okay. But the again to your point, the difference in those fees is is questionable for me, right? Because what what is the justification for thirty forty forty thousand dollars in fees for a yes program, like or a year and a half, eighteen month program? You know, compared to maybe the real amount, which would be about twelve thousand bucks, thirteen thousand, yeah. fifteen thousand. Like, yeah. I don't see it, but someone somewhere high up saw the, that. The calculation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, yeah. you guys are going to sweat in. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it, it's ridiculous uh, in terms of like um, the perception like so treatment Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. as an international student like at every point you have to kind of like tread lightly quote-unquote you know like just watch your step and watch what you say like you don't want to get overly comfortable because the same laws do not apply right Mm -hmm. because It is just what it is. I I just don't want to say, like, if you're listening, you should probably understand, like, uh, the same laws don't apply. Like, you're different, however, which way you want to look at it. If you have a good fake accent like myself and you can even still blend, like, when it comes down to it, show me your papers. I do not have their papers. (laughs) Simple as NBC. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you're not one of them. So I get what you mean. Can I I translate it? If, I, yes. if I'm understanding it well, yeah. so the PR would be jumping out. So basically, the consequences of trouble for an international mm. student is different mm. than a resident or a citizen. Alice knew you deserved every every <laughs> accolade you get as a PM. <laughs> I love you so much. So yeah, that, that, that's just what it is. Like, yeah. uh, that is that, what she said. So um, getting a job as well, um, getting oh, yeah. securing, securing a job is... Ooh. it. Like, to be honest, mm-hmm. at this point, with the amount of competition out there in the world, respect to those who still, like, who still land or, like, who still land jobs and who still believe in the, you know, the sincerity of the system and still try and still put their hat in the race and all that, because it is stressful. It is mm-hmm. strain us to the mind, body, like your mental well-being, trying uh, to secure a job. It takes a toll yeah. on you. And it's just, it's just not fair when you look at everything because the amount of opportunities that you can access alone is already limited, right? That's true. Then to get those jobs, you, you have to be overly, overly clean. I don't know if you get them. Like, you just have to like maintain this. They would think would be unreasonable standard, 
but a whole lot of people have been able to maintain those standards to get jobs like clean records, clean um, academic merits of like, you know, you know, before you would think like a two one would be good enough for you to secure a job, but like the immigrants <laughs> are Okay, you see, you see the response. You see the, you see the response exactly. So my my point exactly. Is this economy? Is this economy right? God bless you. So the exact reaction show the exact reaction show the kind of. Um, environment we're living in. Can I do something? Fr- yes, please. I'm sorry, yes. guys. If anybody's listening that has a two one GPA, you're doing amazing. Okay. Words of encouragement. Keep oh it up. My okay. God. You're, so... You are not your grades. Know that. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I mean, we immigrants, we came in and we're like, shit, that ain't gonna work for us. We're 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 from the same place, and so immigrants have raised the bar. It's like. Of first class and sometimes even a mm. 4.0 out of 4 which yeah. is what we typically now have to start competing against yeah. one another with you know what I'm saying so like yeah. those kind of things are just like I, I mean it's intense so yeah. not to yeah. talk for the rest of the show but like yeah those are just few areas no, where for sure I kind of like I want to hear from both of your perspectives because I, I saw it through my friends so I want you guys to speak on it because you have any like experiences yeah just just to add to that like job searching and aside from like the time that you're given to be unemployed before having to leave the country Mm -hmm. that's already a struggle in itself right Mm -hmm. and then you really have just like Lamade said I feel like you really have to go above and beyond and just be able to prove that you're you're different you're like (laughs) you can like stand out among yeah. everyone else especially yeah. like u.s citizens yeah that's like it and um like the jobs are limited some jobs they because they see you have like a time limit they wouldn't want to hire you or um like as international students during your uh, like when you're studying in college you're only allowed to work on campus except if it Ooh. if it was an internship like summer internship or like a co-op thing where you you take the you work for a credit yeah and i think if you do that cpt which is like the like longer than the internship um i think i may be wrong but like they minus the they subtract the amount of time you have for opt since that counts as i've heard of that yeah i've heard of that so basically if you intern during your college time you're eating up time that you may have had after you graduate, which already yeah. in my head is not ideal. Exactly. But yeah. 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 And then I think like with the fees, like Lamade said, it makes sense that they want to like differentiate international students with like out of state residents and in state, like you said, but just a difference is not justified, I think. Also like you would think with the fees um, we get we're eligible for scholarships or like loans but we're not like yeah we're not we can't get loans with scholarships it's very Kaz say it again <laughs> for the people at the back you would think like, that we would be eligible for scholarships zero oh my gosh yeah. it's like married scholarships where they like looked at everything and you don't have to apply separately 
um, from the admissions, but it's very limited. It is. It is. And can I just add to that? I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's quite sad that, you know, because scholarships, right, you would think are just like um, academic based, right? So mm-hmm. the quality of your work, how well have you done, stuff like that, whatever, depending on the type of scholarship it is. But when you're like scrolling down into the requirements and you begin to see, oh, only uh, residents or only citizens, but like we all study in the same campus, no? Like we all have the same education at this point, at least to this level. So why why is the requirement for the, you know, scholarship different or why is this a necessary marker? You understand what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. again, to play devil's advocate to that point, you would you would say that, oh, they are trying to because the way scholarships work they're sponsored by different people right and maybe that's their own form of like csr right you know their Mm -hmm. their corporate social responsibility is geared towards helping people of a specific you know community or whatever to like you know get those so i mean we can only say our own part (laughs) it is what it is i guess yeah it really is (laughs) yeah i i just think overall it's there's certain things that are very unfair for international students. And especially because at that point in your life, you're really just trying to figure things out. Like you don't have your ground, your bearing just yet. And you're coming into a new place, you know, and then you're just hit with all of this. Oh, you can't do this. You can't, it's like limitations upon limitations upon limitations, but you're putting in so much in that. I think at the baseline, you would expect that, the environment is conducive enough for you to really gather all the knowledge and experience that you need and, you know, maybe stay or go back to your country. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're applying for jobs, I feel mm-hmm. like you really have to be open. Like if you really want to stay in the U.S. and get a job here as an international student, we really have to be open to moving and oh, like yeah. just getting a job wherever that is, that may be. Yeah. Like, you really have to be open. That's and, so true, because yeah. all the people I know that are international students, they have they had to move for jobs. I'm not saying people that weren't international didn't, but international students were more like more likely to because two things stand out. It's that you, you said it because typically for an international student, you only have 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. Grace period to find a job. And mm-hmm. that's such a short period of time. On average, it takes like six months to find a job. So anything you're given, you're going to take it if that's yeah across the country, you know, all of that. So, and it's yeah. stress. It's so stressful. Like, uh, yeah. So, so stressful. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for sharing because, you know, again, I can empathize and I I understand the struggle as much as I never lived it because I had a lot of friends. But even walking through my journey, so as an immigrant for me, I think mine is slightly different. I wasn't born in the States. My family, so I, I would say I'm an immigrant like as a family unit. So I didn't come here by myself, like, which is also another thing that's different for me. I came here with my family. Um, so when I was about nine or 10, my family decided to like pursue permanent residence and just like 
moving and having a life in the States. And the primary reason for that was actually one because of my brother for like health, um, access to like more health uh opportunities that we we didn't have in nigeria and just more resources for him that we didn't have in nigeria so that was like the primary reason why we decided to like fully fully move but even prior to that like similar to you guys i'd always come to the states to visit but it was more so like visiting as a visitor but at that age it was like okay we're gonna move out here and then become like permanent residents and then like you know transition to citizenship I can't necessarily speak much to like how we got that. I think it was through my family, my like my dad and his siblings had already come here prior to, you know, my dad's kids, so like me and my siblings. And one thing I will say that I know cuz my 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 dad and his siblings talk about it is immigration way back, so I'm talking like the 70s versus now night and day. So yep. different. Okay. Yep. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> so, 100%. so different. Like now you basically have to sweat blood and like <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. Like you have to prove so much. And I think back then if you just did school or if you were just here for like if you were if you could prove that you were valued to the states by just a minor thing, you could come in and like start your permanent residency path right it wasn't like hurdles and hurdles and hurdles so i think definitely for me and my family like we definitely came to the states like migrated here when there wasn't as much hurdles because this was and i'm talking about my dad and his siblings before you know my dad my dad now moved his family here um so i can't necessarily speak to like those hurdles because it was like honestly to I'm be honest sibling. i wish third <laughs> yeah. party of just that like to be honest i wish my parents just did it for the fun of it. Like like you said in the 70s, yeah. just for the fun of it. It would be nice Same. to be like a dual <laughs> citizen, right? Maybe just come to the States and do all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And because now it's just like so different to your point. And it's yeah. just crazy. Like the yeah. hurdles are insane. They're mm -hmm. so insane. And I think, I don't know, because honestly, back in the day, the way it seemed, especially from my parents' perspective, and Lamde, maybe your parents talked to you about this, but Nigeria back in the day was actually a place that people did not want to leave. Um, I remember when my dad talks to me about like when he was a teenager, when he was in his 20s, how the economy was doing really great. Um, and so I think for a lot of parents or people back then, if you were in a different country and America wasn't as advanced as it was, right? Uh, they they used to come here to beg our people to come over. Like, do you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wish my dad just did it for the fun of it. Like, yeah. Like, let oh, let's just treat myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. back then, like you said, your dad is absolutely right. They used to come here to like scout talent, you know, because I mean, we're just who we were like we're bowling we're chilling my dad's siblings like they started their families here my dad was very much like oh there's no need like we're always going to have access to the states but it was again i think what ignited my family to actually move was because we wanted to get my brother more health access and things like that that nigeria did not have um and obviously since then things have changed so much because even now my dad that like he never really used to like coming now he's always here twice a year for his yearly um 
checkups and he's like you know what maybe it would be nice to come here and not have stress um all of that all of that yeah so that's that's my journey like I can't really speak to the details but it was definitely through a family thing I came here at a very young age um 9-11 but one thing about my immigration process is that my fam- so my brother moved here and he stayed my sister I believe too as well but my second brother and I we always had that back and forth um so I would always spend a portion of my life in the States, a portion of my life in Nigeria. And part of that was also because like I had to live in the States because I was a permanent resident or something like that. Right. And so um, because of that, I would say at a young age, I started having that like cultural shock sometimes where I would go for like classes with my cousins and I would feel out of out of, you know, the loop because my accent was very thick back then um they would make fun of like how I talk and this was like you know when you're so young and you're so impressionable and also kids are mean kids are freaking (laughs) mean they'll laugh at me and stuff so I remember that time like when I was super young where I would like coming to the states to visit my family but I wouldn't like to interact with other kids that were my age like other American kids that were my age because I just always felt like I stood out heavily. And back then, there were, there were always also like so many jokes about how, you know, us Africans, we grew up in huts. I think some of those jokes even still carry on. But I was so young that I just didn't know how to stand up for myself. And so I would say between the ages of 10 to like 15, when I would go back and forth, um, I always felt that when I was in Nigeria, I had to put on my like Nigerian-ness on. And then when I was in the States, I had to like switch it up a bit. Like, don't be too African, just blend in. Also, it helped mm-hmm. that my cousins were born and raised in the States. So I was able to just like do whatever they're doing, like just mirror them, you know? Um, so that was definitely my life. I definitely had that like, what do you call it when you feel like your identity, identity crisis is changing? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was basically my childhood and then when I so that was 10 to and I also did high school in Nigeria which uh, was great for me because another reason why I pushed to do high school in Nigeria because there was a point where my mom asked me like hey I think we want to cut down on the traveling because it's also a lot of money right You're, you're going back and forth back and forth and they wanted me to just stay in the states and continue high school and to be fair I'm not gonna lie there were certain times where I would be in the states and I would be having such a good time and I wouldn't want to leave and I would just like be crying and stuff and then my aunt would be like why are you going just stay you know um and so one thing that I knew was I got bullied more in the states than I did in Nigeria oh my god that is (laughs) so I was like okay I'm a queen in my home. Genocide. It's like, Out what, here. what rubbish. They humbled you. Oh, my they gosh. Me. <laughs> so I was always very scared to ever do high school in the States. Um, and I remember when my mom was pushing for me to come. I think this was like when I was in 11th grade, so my last two years of high school in Nigeria. And she was like, just do the last two years. There's also an exam in Nigeria that you have to do. She's like, you don't have to do this. Just come to the States. And I was like, nah, I already have friends Meanwhile. here. Yeah, Wayek, Wayek and Cambridge. There were, there were a couple of um, SATs and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was me. Because I had that back and forth, my immigration story is slightly different from other people I know. Because some people, they came to the States 
for college and that was it right and that's where like it started or mm-hmm. some yeah. people they came to the states when they were super young and they stayed in the states like I've met very few people where they actually had that like back and forth for uh, a period of time before they stabilize. And so because of that, like I was able to hold on to a huge part of my Nigerian side while still having like <laughs> my my siblings to say <laughs> we've lost her while still having my <laughs> like American side um still in me, embedded in me. And I think compared to my siblings because I'm the last child I I am more Americanized than they are because they were older than me. Like when I was 10, my sister was 20. Mm, you know? So, mm. and the age you do come in and you're immersed to a culture affects you because when you're so young, you're still growing. And so yeah. you can absorb so much more. Yeah. Um, but I would say I'm still, because <laughs> you see my Nigeria self come out all the time. <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> <laughs> and I do realize like when you talk to your Nigerian friends, um, mm-hmm. you even if it's in English, yeah. you have your accent is thicker compared to when you like yeah talk to like me or like other my cousins and stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, for sure. Like that's always been again, that's that identity thing. Um it's crazy because my ex and I used to fight about this where he's like, Why don't you just stick to one? I'm like, bruh, I don't know how <laughs> to explain it to you, but it's just my life. Like I was I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think overall, what has life as an immigrant been like? Honestly, there has been like different stages of cultural shock that I've gone through, especially when I was younger. I think now I'm so used to it. But when I was younger, I definitely had those times where I felt different because I was so young, because I did get bullied a bit. Um, even sometimes, like, my cousins don't realize this, <laughs> but not all my cousins, one of my cousins, um, but, like, he, he would laugh at me at, like, certain things that I did that was very Nigerian, and, like, 11, 12-year-old me is, like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? Let's say I say a word a certain way, and then he laughs at me. It's, like, I never want to say that word ever again, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to realize or think about how to not say the word that they laugh at me. So I did have that culture shock. What are some of the like cultural shocks and differences that you've noticed since coming to the States? I think for me, um, like education, the education system wasn't too different for me, actually. Was not too different? Yeah, it was not too different for me because oh. maybe because I went to an international school. So I was used to like um, classes in English and like just in a lot of Indonesians, like my friends are so um, influenced by Western culture too. Yeah. But um, the main differences for me, like when I first came here, I, I had to uh, get used to tipping like in restaurants. <laughs> 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 and like, um, and other small things, just like, um, I was amazed that you can drink tap water here. Oh, yeah. Yes, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I drink tap water in oh Nigeria. My God. Like, no way. I still You're... don't trust tap water here just because I wasn't used to. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not used to drinking, but, like, it's safe here. Yeah. Do you guys do this? Like, in Indonesia, we call, like, older people or just, like, your aunts and uncles with, like, an aunt or uncle before yeah. their name. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> I have so many aunties and uncles that are not related to me. Who's your auntie? Who's your uncle? (laughs) 
teachers were my aunties and my uncles in primary school <laughs> me the first thing definitely is calling everybody by name like yeah i find it hard to do so even with emails and shit like I'm like, do I just call the person's name? What if the person's old enough to die? Father, what if the person's old enough to die? Mother? <laughs> <laughs> road, road rage <laughs> here. Oh my gosh, oh, same. Road rage here. <laughs> it seems to be on a different level. So in Nigeria, it's like all bark and no bite, right? Like Nigeria's just like road rage in our own country. is like... <laughs> it's like abuse you go you flex you know do the hard signals from inside your car not so much like that just down but but here i see that road rage is actually like men, dangerous shit yo you if you move to different they would, you just go like good night that kind of if you honk at the wrong person you might not, you might not get home that night so and swerving here you know like yo like road rage here is actually like some real personal shit so we don't have that back here in nigeria i think the first thing that stood out to me was how as like a kid either you were like preteen or teenager mm-hmm. here people talked back to their parents more Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't normal <laughs> if your mother says don't do this you don't ask why no <laughs> why what <laughs> um so that was different for me i definitely tried my you know i tried it out a little bit and i realized yeah you don't do this in an africa home um that and then i think the other one in the states was just like how much access you have to food um oh yep oh my gosh yes especially when you're younger it's like before when you're younger before in nigeria like you eat home most of the time right Mm -hmm. and then like maybe occasionally you go you go out but in the states it's kind of swapped when i was younger like i saw people eat out most of the time especially because like their parents are working you know you drop them off at summer camp you give them money to go to to Burger King, whatever, or dance class, whatever the case might be. But that was definitely different for me. It was like, okay, there's in Nigeria where you, you really cook home cooked meal, you learn how to cook. Here it was kind of like, no, you just you eat out, you know, quick, fast, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So those were the differences I would say. And then also school, actually, because you said you didn't notice a lot of differences. For me, I would say school was so much easier here than in Nigeria. Okay, same for me, actually. But, yeah. like, just the education system, like, speaking, I think, like, being taught in English, that was, like, or, like, the curriculum, it wasn't too different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the curriculum, I think it's so much easier here. And here, there's so much options. There's, like, AP math. AP bio, but if you're not at that level, don't worry about it. You can do in Nigeria, everybody <laughs> is in that calculus class together. Like obviously, and when you're when you're in um high school, and I'm comparing notes because when I would come and like notice that things are different from what I was learning, it, it was very apparent to me that the school systems were different. But in Nigeria, you get to pick 
if you were a science student or an art student or a social arts, and then based on whatever your choices are, you kind of do the same classes, right? Versus here, I think based on your level, you do like a specific type of class. So if you're in the science high level, you do like AP and typically the AP classes are what you would want to be in to get into like a good college and stuff. But if you weren't there, that's fine. You don't have to do it. So there was that option of like, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be super good at everything. Just go at your pace and then whatever your pace gets you to, it gets you to. In Nigeria, it's like, if you weren't good, you were going to come last and coming last was, <laughs> it wasn't a great feeling, you know? So, it wasn't an option. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. So it's school system, it was so much, so much, much, so much harder in Nigeria, I would say for sure. And so much more competitive in Nigeria. And our parents took it more to heart <laughs> than like American parents and stuff like that. Yeah. Can I say something else that just came to mind? I think yeah. another thing that stood out to me was the community and the values. So when I was in Nigeria, right, mm. things like, what are you wearing to church? You're going to see this person at church. Like, our community was very intertwined. Mm -hmm. And, like, my mom cared how I represented myself mm -hmm. in, like, our church thingy or mm -hmm. whatever events that we went to as compared to here where to be fair my family is very big so like I did have that family community but mm -hmm. outside of my family nobody cared like there were so many times where I would like my aunt would be like okay let's go to the grocery store and my mom would be like is that how you're going to the grocery store like in my pajama my aunt's like oh it's fine like nobody's looking at her <laughs> Nigeria. Yeah. Leave oh my gosh. pajamas next to my mother Hell no. Like, who can I feel? So that was very different where in Nigeria, like, there was something about that community that was very different on you. You cared how you were represented and you cared mm -hmm. who saw you outside. And the value was beyond just yourself. Like, you weren't mm -hmm. just doing things for yourself. It was beyond just you and your family. It was it's kind of spread out versus mm -hmm. here. It's very individualistic and um, I think for my family, it was less of like us individuals. It was like we had our family together as a niche, but after, outside of our family, we didn't really care, you know. Mm -hmm. Same actually as in Indonesia, like um, like I would care how I dress. Yeah. Because even if, like here, even if I'm with my friends, I really don't care because, yeah. I don't know, I just feel. Because <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? I think that is one of the things that has rubbed off on me because even my Nigerian self now, mm -hmm. When I go back to Nigeria, I'm always like, who cares? And my sisters are like, we care. Like, don't go. I'm like, what are they going to do to me? So that has rubbed off on me. Because it's stressful always caring about what people say about you. It's like, yeah, I can't keep up. Yeah. But that's I mean, thing. it's been a good conversation so far. And I think it's rounded up. Let's just say, what will make you move back home and why? <laughs> <laughs> that is like nothing. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, a lot of things for me, actually. I don't think I'm stuck on the States. I actually want to leave the States very soon. I was talking about this. Um, a lot of things. I think I actually wouldn't mind moving back to Nigeria if I have a stable career that gives me purpose. Um, not just money. Like I actually feel like I have purpose. That's one. I would also not mind moving back if I'm able to add value 
in an effective way. Because I think another thing that I've noticed with Nigeria is that whenever you want to be the solution, uh, like the problem solver in Nigeria and add solution, there's always roadblocks. And that's frustrating in itself. Like, it's like that's when they decide to multiply. You just, they, they just come out of nowhere. Exactly. Either the government or just the infrastructure, like whatever the setup is, just limits you and i think for me if i'm able to go back you know have a good job that gives me purpose and starts problem solving in whatever way in my little way then i wouldn't mind moving back at all for me um i'm actually leaving soon (laughs) but other than that like no because of my work permit but other than that i think because indonesia is not as developed as the U.S. There are so many opportunities and so many mm-hmm. like areas of improvement where people can tap in and like work on. Yeah. So like job opportunities, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I've lived um here quite a while, and I, Indonesia's changed so much ever since I left the country. So I would want to come back. It's closer. Like I would be closer with to my family, and I think there, are, like. A lot of opportunities. It's just very different. It's like way more advanced now than. Okay. For um, me, what would inspire my going back home and why? Uh, it could be from the smallest thing to like the biggest thing. The smallest thing being, I could wake up one day and just be like, I'm tired mm-hmm. and I want to go back home. I can see you saying that actually. <laughs> oh, that day, you know me. Like, <laughs> but um, I'm guessing. Kaz mentioned something and I totally agree with opportunity. So uh, because of the difference in like development and all that, there's certain areas, although Nigeria is really improving, like they're catching up real quick because yeah, but there are a lot of areas of improvement and in turn business opportunities for people who have, you know, uh, capital to invest and stuff like that. But again, it's a lot of this point, trying to effect those changes, you will get met with like so many obstacles. So that part, but yeah, the the need and desire to like improve my country would definitely inspire going back home. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Family? No, 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 scratch that. My family can come here. <laughs> my family can come here. My family can come here. Like, I don't like a whole lot of people like that. So, yes, let me no. tell you something. Yeah, if you're on Lavide's like list, uh, there has to be something unique about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is what it is, man. But yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, I think at the top of the list is just that the need to, you know, add value to my home country and just to like, you know, raise the bar because I would want to change to a considerable degree the way we are looked at, you know, from the outside world. So however I can contribute to that for me, would definitely be like a life milestone or life goal, you know. So I'm guessing that, um, yeah, that's it. We covered a whole lot today and it was interesting to hear some, <laughs> <laughs> hear different perspectives to this whole immigration thing from Kez yeah. and another day. And I mean, Kez is just such a warm and wonderful guest 
to yeah. have. Aww. I definitely enjoyed this again. Yeah. You Can I say do. something really yeah, yeah. quick? Yes, Sorry to cut yes, you off. I know okay. a lot of people listening might be immigrants, specifically like international students. And I just want to say, again, I understand your struggle. And I just want to also preface this by saying you're not alone because that mental ter- like toll it takes on you, it's a lot especially when you have to figure out, you know, what am I doing? Do I have to go back to your co- my country if you don't want to leave the country? And I don't know, Kez, Lamide, maybe you might want to add to this, but I just want people to know that you're not alone. And part of why we're doing this as AP is to make people feel like they can relate. We're not problem solvers because we can't fix the issues, unfortunately. I wish we could. But at the least, you know that there's so many people out here going through what you're going through. And somehow somehow we're all gonna get through it <laughs> yeah agree a hundred percent i think you really just have to be patient and yeah. everything is gonna work out even if it means like going back to your country or like it just yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah. Not and yeah i know usually going back to your home country is usually the last resort but sometimes it might not be all bad you know especially if you tried <laughs> all your options in the states because the states can frustrate your soul <laughs> i think Laudé said it all to be honest yeah. i think reality, reality is a different so mm-hmm. i'm talking as an immigrant from nigeria and i'm saying i'm saying something like i don't mind living in nigeria but i mean an immigrant from iraq is a totally yep. different reality right so that's so true that's so we, true. we definitely are not ignorant to your different realities you know whoever is mm-hmm. listening but i think the overall goal is want to tell you be patient mm-hmm. um, believe in yourself believe in your dreams and with hard and smart work you can be anything you want to be and a little bit of luck you know so yep we wish you all the very best and yeah see, see everyone at the top man <laughs> I love that. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you for writing with us. This is Adult Puzzle Podcast, your favorite. We know it. Thank you. Rate us on all streaming platforms, wherever you listen to your podcast. We really, really, really appreciate the feedback. Five stars only. We put in a lot of work for this. Did I also say I'm working right now? So <laughs> I'm You're amazing. My life. Okay, okay, I'm dramatic, but I'm risking getting fired <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> um, but you know, thank you for all the support. Again, rate us, follow us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, interact with us join our twitter spaces whatever we have them and thank you kez for coming here i know you're leaving thank you so much for having me i had so so much fun but yeah no i don't want to be sad right now <laughs> i know kez, i have been no. in denial since the end of this year but it's okay let's not talk about it right now thanks for coming on <laughs> Um, and we'll talk to you soon you're gonna come on some more from indonesia okay this is love to yeah (laughs) i'll show you guys around virtually yes 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 i love that i love that thank you lamide i'll talk to you on another episode and with that it's a wrap bye-bye bye guys